0: Welcome to Writers Talking TV, brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm Jill Golick. You're about to listen to a panel on web series and money that was recorded at Toronto's Fan Expo in August 2014. And I did not moderate her. Stephanie Calliner was the moderator. Steph is the co-creator of Versus Valerie and Sexy Nerd Girls and a really great writer, very funny. So she was our ABLE moderator. The panelists were Rob Mills, who's the creator of several web series, including Rubber Chicken Players and Rufus the Dog, and J.P. Laroc, another web series creator. His show is called Gay Nerds, Very Funny. The third panelist was me, Jill Golick, creator of a web series called Ruby Sky P.I. And so I invite you to sit back and listen to Monetizing Web Series, live from Fan Expo.
1: Hi, guys. Thanks for coming. Um, I'm Steph, and um, yeah, and this is a really awesome panel. I'm so excited to get going. Uh, I guess I'll just say, like, a couple things about myself. Um, I was one of the co-creators and the head writer of a show called, um, a web series called Sexy Nerd Girl, and uh, another one called Versus Valerie. Um, So that's where I'm coming from. And uh, yeah, let's uh, go along the table. Mr. Robert. Uh
2: Uh, I'm Rob Mills. I'm a writer, producer, director, performer, puppeteer. Uh, I've worked in broadcast for the last 30 years. Uh, I started as puppeteer for the Jim Henson's Muppets and then graduated up into working on Sesame Street, doing mostly uh, children's television stuff, but then also working in feature films like Labyrinth and Short Circuit and a bunch of other things. And lately, uh, after a stint at CBC, uh, I've been spending more and more time online uh, producing and creating web series and uh, doing my best to try to promote the whole community of people who are doing that. And uh, we do uh, a show called Rufus the Dog, which used to be on broadcast, and we ported that over to the web. And we do another thing called Rubber Chicken Players, and we've got a bunch of other projects in the pipeline as well. And I'm one of the uh, founding board members of the independent web series Creators of Canada, which is a professional organization that uh, helps to promote uh, what we do and how we do it and to uh, make sure more people are doing it and taking advantage of this new world of reaching an audience directly.
0: Never follow Rob. He's <laughs> way too impressive. No. I'm Jill Golick. Um, I'm a... Thank you. <laughs> uh, I've made my career mostly in television and for about the last... Uh, well, since about... 2006 or 2007. I've been playing with storytelling on the web. Um, my current web series is called Ruby Sky Pi. We have our third season, which is rolling out as we speak. Eighth episode coming out tomorrow on CBC.ca/kids.
3: Never follow Jill Galler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hi, my name is JP Laroque. I'm the writer, director, producer of a web series called Gay Nerds. Uh, It's a comedy about a group of friends who fall into adventures, parodies of TV shows and movies. We're in our second season right now. We have a special coming out in the fall. Um, I am also a journalist and a playwright, and uh, if you like watching shows about sex on MTV late at night, I'm a panelist from One Girl, Five Gays. (laughs) No one said, like no one responded at all. I'll try
1: to keep it in, JP, okay? We're all just trying to maintain our composure right now. Right. Um, So, uh, here we are, and um, this web series is, or sorry, this this web series, uh, no, this panel is about the monetization of web series. So, basically, can everyone hear me, or is this insanely loud? Okay, this is good? Perfect. Um, So, this panel is basically focusing on how you make enough money to make a web series in the first place, uh, to get it going, and then um, how you can possibly uh, make money from the web series (laughs) itself. So that's kind of what we're going to be going through today. And um, I guess I'll start it off by asking you guys, who are all web series creators, um, when you first set out to make your web series, did it start for you sort of from a purely creative place? Um, or did you already have something in mind kind of for the business end of things? Did you have a business plan of attack?
3: Do you want to go first? Sure, I can do that. Um, it was entirely creative for me. Uh, I just, I had an idea. Uh, it was a show, actually. I do, The Gaynard's idea was um, like a sitcom idea that I'd come up with, and then I just said to myself, I'm really excited about this idea. I want to create it immediately and and see my words come to life. And so for me, it's kind of like, the web seemed like the most viable platform for that. Um, so I led with idea. I feel like the business stuff was stuff that, and I'm sure we'll discuss this further, um, kind of I learned the hard way while moving through the process. So uh, yeah, I would say I started creative first.
1: Awesome. And, uh, and you guys?
3: I'll
0: go. Uh, so um, uh, I did some stuff for free and um, quickly discovered that I couldn't support myself on stuff for free, <laughs> so I began to think about um, business and as part of the creative. And so um, now when I'm crafting an idea, I try and figure out um, business and creative as one thing, if that makes any sense. So it was both at the same time in the case of Ruby Sky P.I.
2: Um, I've been, like I said before, in, uh, in the industry for a while, so there's always a business end to everything that I do. But at the same time, uh, I had been through the grinder of the business, and to such a degree that I was looking to the web more as uh, a relief or a release from that. And so, uh, primarily, it was driven by creative. I mean, even with the stuff that I was doing in television, although you're looking at it as a market and trying to create works that you know you can make a buck from. Um, the large portion of the stuff that I was producing on my own was always a creative idea came first and then you chase down how to build that out and uh, and do it Um, as as I'm saying most of the stuff that we've been doing thus far for the web we haven't been taking as as stringent a business approach to it as uh, folks like like Jill and some others have so you'll see some divergent opinions uh, coming across here On the hows and whys of that, but yeah, I guess short answer is creative.
1: Creative. (laughs) Um, I feel like that's kind of where a lot of you know people's projects start. I mean, uh, people here raise their hands. A lot of you guys are writers. Is anyone in this room already a um, a web series creator? A few people. Is anyone? (gasps) Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Is is there anyone here who sort of like you know has an idea for a web series or is sort of thinking about making one? Yeah. Wow! Yeah. yeah, that's just so awesome. Um, well, I feel what like to you? I feel like a lot of a lot of people might have that idea and they might want to embark on making it. But then you're like, okay, I want to make it. Now, what? What do I do? Um, you know, how much do you have to know about the business? You know, there's you know we're probably going to be throwing around a lot of words up yeah. here about distribution, getting sponsors. Do you have to sort of have that business mind?
2: There are two. Answers to that, and one is no, you don't, and the other one is yes, you do. (laughs) Uh, The the first part is we live in a remarkable moment in time with the web and what we are capable of doing on it, and also technologically what we can do. You can walk around with you know a a freaking movie studio in your back pocket, and you can make things quickly, cheaply, easily, and the only thing standing between you and actually doing it is you yourself. Uh, If you want to do it just for the love of it, go do it, do it now. Get yourself out there, claim your turf, find your audience. There's nothing stopping you. If you're looking to do it as a larger project that is going to require some money, it's not something you can do simply out of your own back pocket on your credit cards, which a lot of people have been doing, uh, and you feel that you need to raise money for it, then you have an obligation to pay that money back. So you've got to start looking at it as a business and if you, especially if you want to be making your living doing this, as opposed to, you know, don't quit your day job kind of thing, um, then you definitely have to regard uh, the business aspects of that and look to where you can get the money up front. Um, I lost track of what the question was that I was <laughs> answering.
1: I was on a roll there. I, no, you've got, I think, I think you've got it. I think it's sort of like, you know, what you're saying is you could make it out of your own pocket. but. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, things that I found on my web series, things add up pretty quickly. You end up spending most of your day. Um, you know, you want to keep. You have to keep on top of interactivity. You have to keep on top of. Um, you know, even the simplest scene, you have to feed everyone. You have to get them there. You have to pay a camera person. You have to get a camera. There's a lot of things that pop up right off the bat.
0: It I wise. mean, the question was, you know, do it? Do it? Your can you do it yourself with a business skill? Um, or do you need to have a business mind, and really the answer is team 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 and you you know you, even if you're the guy with the business mind, you still need a huge team because being a web series creator is probably the most exhausting thing you could imagine um, and you know I mean uh, production is one thing, but you never like, it never ends. Once you get your show done and in the can, then you've got to get it up there on the web, and then you've got to spend all your time promoting it. And even if you're an expert promoter, there's still people in the world who haven't heard about it, so you've got to reach them too. So a t- like, just bring people around you to fill in the gaps uh, if you don't have the business mind right?
3: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I, just speaking very much to that, it's like when I started, I was very focused on the production end of things and was like, okay, we have the finished product, we put it up. Uh, and then immediately I was like, okay, I, I kind of get Facebook, but I don't really understand like the 18 other social media platforms that are out there. And each of those have a very specific language that you have to use. Each of them have like, y- there are specific ways you target people using those, right? And so you bring in someone who has kind of the skills, whether hopefully if it's a friend that can help you off the top if you don't have a lot of money, but there are people who have that language. They're they're well-versed in social media. And then additional promotion, coming to events and doing things like that. So, yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, You hear stories of people who've just gone out and done something and then suddenly it's huge, like the viral video thing. And people saying, that's amazing, I want to do that. That happens, but it happens rarely. And, it, and uh, I think... People that happens to like that are either extraordinarily lucky or they're very good at hiding the amount of work that they've actually had to put in. Or
0: money they've spent.
2: Or the money they've spent to create (laughs) these things. Um, Just to cite some case uh, examples, um, it was a show uh, out with Dad that Jason Lever's doing. And the first couple of seasons of that, he did off his own credit card. He just said, I'm going to do this, and away he went and did it. Uh, he pulled in a lot of favors to do it. And he drew in a lot of uh, good people around him to help make it happen. But it happened because he was willing to put his credit card on the line. And subsequent seasons, uh, he turned to his growing audience and said, if you want to see more of these, you've got to step up because I can't keep doing this. And they did. So the audience becomes the, the fuel for further work on that.
0: But you know, back to that first investment that you make. You know, if you if you make your web series on your own and you put some cash in, um, and you you begin to build an audience, your I mean, your audience becomes a commodity. It's 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 an audience that you hopefully will interact with and be very friendly with, and you'll carry them with you f- to future products and projects that you make, and so. Um, when you go to the money people for the project, too, you go, look at my Twitter followers. Look at my Facebook fans. These people come with me. So then you become much more bankable. So that first gander you take, even if, it's, even if, if you financed it yourself or taken the money out of your pocket, it becomes a
2: valuable thing. Yeah, you're not selling your show. You're selling your audience. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, no. It sounds <laughs> crass, but
2: it sounds crass. But I mean, you, you, I mean, yeah. look, look, look at the business model of broadcast television. Broadcast television is not in the business of making shows. Broadcast television is in the business of selling their audience to advertisers.
0: But it's different what it we is. do, because we develop an intimate relationship with our audience, and we develop, we get to know them, and we get to tell them the story that they're looking for. And the better we know them, the more we interact with them, the more our the, our storytelling is for them specifically. And when we go to the the money people and say give us money it's to make a product for that audience rather than selling them to the, to the advertiser we're getting the advertiser to finance the, the show that they want and, they, and it's a much better way to do the entertainment it, business it, it in means my we opinion. don't
2: have to go to the gatekeepers and, and beg for permission to do our show and then have them twist and turn it in order to suit their established business models so that's the nice thing about that
1: But the thing is, is that what you're both sort of saying is that you have to do a lot on your own. You have to be very independent um, before you can even a lot of times pull in that financing, even attract that financing. So and not everyone, you know, even has the time to do that. You know, it's hard to do all that work and, you know, still work at Starbucks, have a full time (laughs) job or keep it going enough to be able to have that time. So it is a lot of work. Um so were there you guys touched on a few different kinds of financing, Jill. You mentioned broadcaster, Robert, you mentioned um crowdfunding, uh which is what uh, what dad did for their subsequent seasons. Um what have you guys done personally for your web series in terms of financing?
3: plead to my parents to pay for things. Good plan. I haven't gone to mine yet. (laughs) I owe them for so much. Um, For me, mostly, especially with the first season, it was out of pocket. Uh, And I've also, I also was able to benefit from kind of working with like a group of people who we collaborate together. So we all... Work together, so I was able to get away with doing things for less money than probably I would have ended up paying if I'd had to kind of go out and find those people. Um, but yeah, for me it was primarily out of pocket. For the next season of Gay Nerds, we're doing crowdfunding, so that's that's the plan to move in that very exciting, very terrifying direction. So.
1: Did you have to build up a lot of, I guess you had to have a lot of interactivity then to get to the point where you can do the crowdfunding.
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing that's really nice about our show is that our show is um, two niche communities. Uh, There's the gays and then there's the nerds. Uh, And they're both really internet savvy. Um, So what's great about that is that, you know, you you can target those communities, those demographics by kind of going... To whether it's Twitter or Facebook or to specific events and making yourself uh, known and present and slowly, I mean, I think you had mentioned this before. Over time, you 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 start to build like the audience just kind of becomes this big ball that rolls behind you of people who really like the product that you're making and and really want to see more of it. So ideally, it's just it's like a building process that you get to so that when you're at that point of saying, okay, I'm ready to make more product. There's like a contingent of people behind you being like, we want to see more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does take a considerable amount of, of, again, I keep mentioning social media cause that for me I find is where I've had the most success. So, um, yeah, social media.
0: I, I cleverly targeted an audience that does not have credit cards. Children. <laughs> so I can't, can't really... can't really go to them. And also you can't really go to advertisers because really advertisers are not supposed to advertise to children. And, you know, Young who children. wants to be, you know, yeah. sponsored by sugary cereals? Anyway. So... Um, okay, me. But... Um, <laughs> but uh I am an overachiever in the uh financing department, and I would like to think that um my show is uh perhaps the at least one of the best financed independent web series around it's the um best
2: financed, and you've been very uh, smart
0: and you. we and and um and we've gotten more and more money into the show every with every season that we've done. Uh, we started with the Independent Production Fund, and they're an equity financer, and they gave us some money to do our first season, and the balance of our budget came from creative contributions by Creators just like you and me. And then in our second season, we were able to add uh, to the Independent Production Fund's investment, we were able to add a contribution from the Ontario Media Development Corporation's Interactive Digital Media Fund. And at that point, uh, having two um, seasons under our belt that had a lot of uh, uh, great views and Uh, Great critical acclaim, and uh, we had managed to be incredibly loud in the social media, so kind of lots of people knew about the show. And at that point, uh, Kids CBC came to us and commissioned the third season, so then they brought in all kinds of new potentials there, some financing from them, as well as from the Canada Media Fund and the Shaw Rocket Fund. You have to say all your funders' names. It's, it's part of my job. And so so, um, so we've been able to do an incredible uh, thing uh, f- because of that, and we're really proud of it, and we're really grateful to all the people who have uh, helped finance the show.
2: Yeah, the, the bulk of stuff that we've done has been uh, self-financed. Uh, we've done uh, some Indiegogo campaigns, uh, so we've gotten money from supporters and been slowly building an audience that way. Um, but again, the the amount that uh, we, we get from that, it hasn't been the, the runaway success that you sometimes hear about with Kickstarter and Indiegogo campaigns. And again, like with Jill, we're dealing with the bulk of what we've been doing has been for very young audiences. So again, it's not uh, an audience that you can tap directly for uh, financing. You sort of have to go to their parents and say, you know, do you like this for your kids? Do you want to see more? And try to get support that way or... You're going from a fan base, which is uh, partly what we've been able to do, uh, from based on our existing work and uh, being able to draw in uh, support for people who want, from people who want to see more of what we're doing. Uh, we know that traditionally, with the children's stuff, the young children's stuff that we've done in broadcast, that the money was never really there from the shows themselves. The shows are always the lost leader in a way, and uh, any revenues that were really significant revenues that would come in came in not from licensing the shows for broadcast or anything like that, but from the ancillary markets, the toys, the dolls, the games, the books... Uh, the music, anything else associated with the show that you could sell. But again, you're not selling directly to your audience because they're very young and they don't have credit cards, or at least they shouldn't. (laughs) Your parents are going to get really angry. Um, So you want to be able to set up uh, a a way of making a show that you can access your audience uh, as widely and as directly as you possibly can, and at the same time try to trigger... Uh, the, their parents, the ones who have the cash in hand, to be able to provide continuing support and ongoing support for the work that you're doing. So it, with that young audience thing, it's a very uh, long-term approach in a way. Uh, there's, there's not a quick return on it. And uh, the broadcast marketing, mean, you've been very fortunate with your relationship with CBC. Uh, again, for a very young audience, that's very difficult. Um, broadcasters uh, don't have a lot of cash they don't have a lot of uh, shelf space, uh, so they're they're not willing to support the very young stuff uh, uh, on as you know as grand a scale as um, what uh, Jill's been able to accomplish. So uh, but, the other part it, of it is but, I'm lazy too. But it's the
0: same thing as gay nerds. It is a niche audience yeah. that's underserved. You know we have. I mean you know there are so many stories in the world that aren't being told and you know we're seeing children's television i mean rob and i were both in children's television for many years and when we started out there was a certain kind of programming that's really been displaced right so for for very commercial concerns and so, um, so what we both saw independently was a niche, a, a place where you could provide a kind of programming uh, on the web that doesn't currently exist on broadcast. And, 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 and that's the same for you. And so, I mean, I think we, we all see that the most successful web series are the ones that do target a niche audience that isn't seeing it, their stories told. And then those niche audiences you know, in theory, will either support the creation of more shows themselves or, you know, there may be other ways to make the money, but we'll see.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing with the ancillary stuff. You have to have a large enough audience in order to trigger that kind of thing where you've got merchandise where you can sell. You you can't just go out and get a toy deal. I've got a web series here, you know, Hasbro, you know, sign me up. No, as you know. much as we would like to it would be nice <laughs> yeah but you've got to be able to, again to deliver the eyeballs you've got to be able to say yes there is an existing audience there so first and foremost you're building an audience you're building a community and that's what's going to provide the continuing support for what you want to do
1: it sounds like for, for the financing, it sort of, it so, seems like sort of a mix between it being an independent kind of thing where you have full control and you raise the money yourself versus sort of joining hands with a, a broadcaster or like um, a production company that's already um, established. Do you think there's advantages and disadvantages to both?
2: I think the, the, it, it's a bit different in a way that the, the uh, it depends on, on your project. And again, this is the, the wide variance of, of how a web series can be done. Uh, the traditional TV model is you have to go to a broadcaster and say, will you help me make this show? And they say yes, and that triggers all sorts of funding options, and then you make the show. And you know, there's money that's involved in raising the money and doing that. Um, with the web series, thing, what's really nice is you can greenlight your own project. You don't have to ask anyone for permission. Mm-hmm. But unless you've got the cash up front, you can't do very expensive shows. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're caught between doing something that's really, really cheap because you can, or you've got a grander vision which is going to cost money, and then you've got to go chase after that to do it up front. There's a lot of stuff that's being done which is very, very impressive, that looks like it costs a bazillion dollars, and they've been just you know pulling it out of like spare change under the, out of the couch and yeah. you know a lot of favors and everything else, which is fine for getting things started, but you can't continue doing that. Uh, you can't expect to continue doing that. You can't live on people's favours forever. And you've got to, at some point, you're dealing with people who are trying to earn their own living doing this kind of work. So you've got to be able to pay them a fair wage. So yeah. there's that tension with it. The, the great freedom is that of being able to say, I'm going to greenlight this project because I say so. And then from there on, you have to make uh, whatever choices you make and how you fund it and how, you, how that impacts how you produce it
1: yeah that's definitely true I know that there's you know you can become friends with your most talented uh, editors and uh, cinematographers and animators and hope and writers and hope that you guys can all be a cozy team together but at the end of the day you know if they're not making money they have to go to their job you can't exactly set a deadline and be like have it done by then uh, because you know they are working for free (laughs) and they they can't make it their first priority yeah
3: No, that's like I mean, and that's that was a big thing that we encountered on Gay Nerds as well, was because everyone had a day job on that production, right? Um, But I do agree that I think it's like there's with having the broadcaster there, there's a safety net, but with the safety net comes restrictions
0: and compromise.
3: Yeah, and compromise. Whereas when you're when you're going the independent route, there's you know there's artistic freedom, there's creative freedom, but there's no safety net. So if you fall, you're going to die. No, like not necessarily die, but like, you'll, you'll gonna, lose the house. there's, there's no safety net, you know, it, that's the risk that comes with it is that your, your neck is on the line as yeah. opposed to kind of someone else's, but I guess, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in my opinion, working outside the traditional film and television uh, system making Ruby Sky has been the greatest creative experience of my life i have it's been fantastic, and uh, you know I would say if you're thinking about going out and making a web series, go out and make it because it it will it will be creatively fulfilling, a wonderful experience, and you'll learn a ton. But it's kind of like even with my financing. It's kind of like having an extra kid in university. It's expensive. <laughs> um, but but on the other hand, when you're working in... And we when we went to CBC with Ruby Sky, we had two seasons under our belt. They could see the show that they were buying. They knew what it was. And therefore, they trusted us and let us continue to make it. So we haven't been forced into making the kind of compromises that I was, really, I was really, really worried about at the beginning. So there you go. Happy story.
2: When we did um, the Rufus the Dog's uh, Christmas Carol, uh, that was one really on the spur of the moment. I'd been thinking about the project for a while, and it was just like, you know, fuck, let's just fucking do it. Just make the damn show. And so called up a bunch of my friends and said, let's do it. Let's, let's shoot this thing. And we did a little Indiegogo thing. And as we're raising the money for Indiegogo, I'm writing the script. We didn't even have a script yet. So we do the Indiegogo campaign. We raise a bit of financing, not as much as we needed. But we still said, well, screw it. We're we're still going to do it. We can't afford a studio, so we'll shoot it in my living room. And we shot for four days in my house. And we put together a half-hour Christmas special with four original songs and a whole cast of of puppet characters and a CG Victorian world. And uh, it took a, a year of post, me sitting down in the basement, around with the damn thing. We finally got it done. <laughs> but uh, but that's, that's what it takes in order to, to get that thing going. If it was a, a proper television production, you'd be throwing money at your post-production on something like that and saying, quick, quick, we've got a deadline. Instead, it was like, uh, I guess I'll do a little bit more this morning. You go down in your house coat and you sit there and you make another little piece of England for the show. And it's, you know, it's, it, it was very fulfilling creatively. Um, we had no money to do it. And the only reason it happened was because of the generosity of everybody who participated in the project. And the, you know, the end result of it is we have this really nice finished piece which is leading to other projects related to those characters. And uh, we're hopeful that we can continue along that path and generate revenue for the newer projects and from the older projects and be able to share that revenue with the people who participated in the show so that it's not, they weren't just for hire. Uh, We're all, we're all, um, you know, shareholders basically in in the whole production. So it's an interesting arrangement that we had.
0: And Rufus's Christmas Carol is now a Christmas time perennial in my Jewish household. Yay!
1: <laughs> That's the highest compliment of all. <laughs>
3: it's
2: even got the flying spaghetti monster in it. It's, a, it's a very wow. unique. <laughs>
1: Something um, for everyone. If you let's say you wanted to go to a broadcaster with your series and do the more traditional route, um, mm. but you don't have two seasons under your belt and you don't have um, a dillion uh, eyeballs uh, on your Twitter account. <laughs> How do you sort of get that going? And basically what I'm asking is, let's say we all wanted to go to a broadcaster, what, what do you think we would need to have to show, to impress them, um, to sort of get in the door with our ideas?
3: I can say that for, for me, since Gay Nerds has started, I've continued to try to sell it as a series. And I found that um going kind of going to broadcasters and, and pitching, typically they they'll take a look at your show, they'll at least for me anyway, they'll understand it within the context of that particular web world. Usually if you have um like a full like at least for me anyway, it was like a full-length version, like a half hour version that you can present to them, or a Bible that'll break down that world and have the characters in it, any of that additional material I find is very helpful for them. Even if it seems like somewhat of a departure from what your web series is. It's it's kind of going a little bit more of the traditional route and taking it closer, again, closer to traditional TV. But sometimes that's kind of the bridge you need to make for them to understand what your show is about, to kind of put it in more traditional terms.
2: I know that broadcasters are looking at what's going on with the production of web series as sort of a, an incubator uh, kind of arena, uh, almost a, a free testing ground for them, where things can be taken to pilot without them having to make any kind of development investment Uh, or taking any kind of risk in in, uh, okaying an idea. They're just going to wait and see what comes up, and if they like it, then they'll they'll grab it. If you don't have shows under your belt the way that uh, Jill did, uh, then you are pretty much back in the same original position of pitching an original series to a broadcaster. If you do have... uh, at least one episode, if not more, that you can use as not just a calling card film, but as a you know a true example of this is the show, this is what we're doing, this is the audience that we've got, even if it's not a, a huge amount of material. Um, you're in a better position, I think, to be able to speak to them creatively about how you want this thing to go and not make the compromises Jill was regarding but you also uh, are then in a position to be able to say this is what we want to do with it, we want to take it further and we need your help if you have a specific plan that you're looking to do that with. But again, the problem with going for the broadcaster route is you've got to know that the project that you're making is going to fit with the agenda that the broadcasters got, something that they're looking for. Uh, As I mentioned before, broadcasters have a limited shelf space, it's not like the web. There's only 24 hours in the day. There's only seven days in the week. And they have a shelf marked out like that, and they put their product on that shelf. And if yours doesn't fit with what they're selling or if they've already got too much of what they want, then you don't have a place there. The nice thing about the web is it's an endless shelf that goes all the way around the world, and material once it's up there stays up there. It's not gone. Uh, it's the second Tuesday of, of the week. You know, it's, it's you know you're, you're still there. So I, I think if you are going to be looking to a broadcaster for that kind of support, you've got to make sure before you even step through the door. I would say you really want to make sure that that is a home that you. Can have you don't want to go in there desperate saying please help me make my show although that's what you'll always be saying inside uh, <laughs> what you want to be able to do is to go in with confidence and say this is the show we've been making we want to make more of it and we think you're a good home for it whether it's on your your broadcast schedule or on your online presence and then find a way to uh, find a happy marriage between those those two worlds.
0: Yeah, I think you really have to um, put on your business hat, I'm sorry to tell you if you're going to go to a broadcaster. You have to understand their business, first of all, and their business, uh, and, and, and they, you have to come to them in addition to your creative plans with a little bit of a business plan. And there are ways to finance web series if you've got a broadcaster a little bit of money from a broadcaster you have to be able to show them in addition to how it fits their brand how the show belongs with their network and advances their brand but also how they can use a teeny little bit of money to make a lot of content. And it is a little teeny little bit of money compared to what they're spending on a television show. So it could be very attractive to them. And we know that all the Canadian broadcasters have websites, are looking for new ways to make their business continue. And this is... So if you can help them see that this is a business solution, it will be very helpful to them. Mm
1: -hmm. It sort of seems like uh, what you were saying about the incubator thing is kind of happening already with that comedy coup Um, the CBC's Comedy Coup that's happening, it seems like. Um, If anyone hasn't heard of it, you should check it out. Um, It's a thing that CBC is doing where uh, you can sort of apply as a team of three and um, you have to make like a 90-second sizzle reel of your product or of your your show, your web series. And then you have to put it out there yourself and advertise it yourself and try to get as many eyeballs to it as you can. And then they, they keep... Issuing challenges each week with more web stuff you put out, and then ultimately in the end you get five hundred thousand dollars if you win um, to make a half hour special for CBC that they'll air. Um, So it seems like uh, you know it's doing that thing you were saying of getting a lot of content without and getting to a point of where something's developed and already has an audience in place without the broadcaster um, stepping in. But it's 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 a it seems like a cool thing. Do you think sort of like CBC is approaching that. It seems like it's um, a development program to get television material. Do you think TV is the final goal for web series? Or do you think, what do you sort of see for web series?
2: I think it varies, again, on the genre, the the material that you're making, the audience that you're going for, uh, what your creative intentions are behind it. I mean, as uh, promising or as hopeful as uh, something like that, that you just described that CBC is doing, there is an element of dance monkey dance to that, yep. uh, saying, you know, here, jump through these hoops and maybe we'll give you a candy, uh, as opposed to uh, we're going to take your, your project seriously in a, in a rational discussion like adults instead of turning it Treat into... Treat you
0: like a professional?
2: Yeah, exactly, instead of, you know, saying here's, a, here's another contest like you're in a, uh, a dance competition in the 1930s depression. <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, it, no, at there's, there's, uh, times it gets, it gets a little bit pathetic like that, and I get, I get very upset when I see those things coming around. Um, the oh god, I lost my train of thought again. The 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 idea of them uh, a broadcaster trying to generate material for themselves that way uh, is fine if you want to play along with that game. But I, I do think the broadcasters are trying to uh, at the same time address the changes in the industry, the changes in the community that's watching them or not watching them, turning to other screens. To, to see other material, and they are desperate to try to figure out how to fit themselves into that. Their main desperation is how to not change their business models while still being able to maintain a level of control or survival, and I think the only way they're really going to succeed is by changing their business models, and the way that they're going to be doing that is by dealing with independent creators who can come up with the material that they themselves, with their monolithic behemoth, uh, structures of conducting the, the uh, so-called industry uh, is, is failing them. It's not, it's not working anymore. The, the, the process by which they decide what people get to watch just doesn't wash anymore. People are watching and seeking what they want. And if uh, the broadcasters can't provide it, the people themselves will provide it. So you're the audience, you're the creators, you know, you're making this material not just for yourself but for other people, other people like you. You are your audience. Feed yourselves. Thank
1: you. Sorry. <laughs> reach across. <laughs> yeah. Right when you said feed yourselves, I was reaching for a
2: glass of water. Yes. It's water. It's perfect. Thank you.
0: Do you have a... a is TV your end goal?
3: Um, for me, yes. Like, I would ultimately like to write for television. So I would say <laughs> that my web series, I'm using it as a means. Not using it. Like, I'm telling a story. But it's, it is ideally... Uh, a means to kind of getting my voice out there, my style out there, uh, continuing to build kind of my skill set so that when i go when i 'm lucky enough to go and sit in a writer 's room, I can you know I have these skills that i 'm bringing to the table that I learned kind of on the ground doing a project independently um, alongside obviously other other work that i 'd be doing um, i again, I just think it really depends the web is kind of like the wild west, even still I know it 's like kind of becoming a little less wild, but um, I think it really depends on what again create the creative intentions are behind a project because a web series can be can be anything like it can be so many things and certainly i know even you know when you go to any of these um like the web conventions or any of the award shows it's like you meet creators who are doing it because they're creating a platform for themselves as performers some who want to turn it into a tv show some who you know they're just a million some who just want to make viral videos like it's it's It really depends. I think you have to start from a place of creating it for whatever your end goal is and then look to similar projects or similar kind of um, people who have done what you would ideally like to do and look towards the the financing that they kind of went for um, and follow their model. I find that that's that's probably the most helpful thing. But it is, there's like, uh, there are so many ways. Web series can be, again, a million different things, so...
0: You know, oddly, TV is not my end game. <laughs> uh, even though, you know, th- this project has has gone to a broadcaster; it's on their website. Um, my goal is to be able to tell great stories that connect to an audience, and also pay the rent. Um, so, right now, uh, in Canada television broadcasters sort of are are the 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 gateway to the money that allows us to make audiovisual content and so in some ways yeah I you know I'm definitely courting broadcasters and looking for ways to do projects with them but ultimately I want to build an audience that will st- sustain my storytelling and connect to them and I don't care what screen it's on it's you know connected screens everywhere as far as I'm concerned it's it's more about the storytelling and the connection with the audience and that's something that I think that uh, the mass medium of television has sort of it's a it's a relationship that they have that that's broken and like Rob I believe that the future is in the connection between the story and the audience and reestablishing that relationship rather than making story a commodity that allows like or the sugar that allows us to track the flies that are the eyeballs that the broadcaster then sells to the advertiser which
2: I think is just being generous describing it as sugar
0: (laughs) a a broken model and we've all seen you know we've all seen how um, the really great shows that we really love come from that um, storytelling model that they have in the U.S., the HBO model, where it's a subscription system, right? So the the audience is actually the ones who who are paying for the content, not the broad, not the advertiser. And so when the audience pays, what do you get? You get Treme, and you get Sopranos, and you get Game of Thrones, and Dexter and all that stuff so I think we're I think audiences are going in that direction too and um and 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 Doctor Who you know I mean it's like it's actually all the shows that brought people to this place today are the shows that audiences have
1: paid for and we know it has to go that way I agree I think we're an audience now of uh, people who want what they want when they want it um so web is web is perfect for that um, I guess now would be a good time to open the floor to questions. And uh, and if you don't have questions, I still have a lot of questions. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, kind of
3: halfway between web series and broadcasters, where does Netflix lay in terms of a future for writers like yourselves, as Because Netflix is Netflix's purchasing shows.
1: I, I mean, I, I that's definitely think that it's Netflix is where that sort of model is where things are going. I mean, you can even see now Shaw and Rogers are two rivals are teaming up to make their, our own Canadian version of Netflix, which is going to be called show me, show me. Mm-hmm. Show me. And so, show me you know, me. obviously there, they can sense that there's a major need to create something like that. What do you guys I th- think? I
2: think the, yeah, the, I mean, the show me stuff is, uh, them, uh, chasing after the Netflix tale after spending so many years trying to keep Netflix out and defend themselves that way by just standing in the doorway and now they're realizing oh okay we can't do that let's make our own uh i think although the success of Netflix and perhaps uh, we'll see uh, with Show Me, is going to uh, open up doors and opportunities for people to 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 step up and get you know the better funding for these different things that they're doing uh i mean netflix is like just Pouring money into into the things that they're doing, uh, I don't see them just buying everything. So you're still dealing with a, a, a limited, uh, you know, uh, avenues a funnel in a way that you have to be able to fit through. Um, but if your show is really good, I mean, it's it, having another uh, avenue to, to to sell your wares on is great. Having another place to go, another door to knock on. We've been seeing not just with broadcast, but also in a feature film production in Canada as the distributors get gobbled up by each other, there's fewer and fewer places to turn to, to pitch, let alone sell, what okay. it is you're actually doing. Um, so I, I, I welcome any of those opportunities that are there. I think there will be more. I think there will be other uh, uh, versions of Netflix that will show up, uh, some that are very specific to specific genres, um, children's as well as you know horror, fantasy, whatever. Uh, so it's gonna even further fragment the marketplace, but again, create more opportunities where you can come and take things. Again, like we saw with the specialty channels, as you get into that smaller fragmentation with the niche audiences, the amount of money that they've got to play with will be reduced. So the amount of work that they'll be able to buy or uh, the quality of the work they'll be uh, supporting will, will you know vary accordingly.
0: I don't know. I, I kind of... I like the idea of the smaller budgets and the more niche programming in some ways. I mean, you know, we we look at the business and people are taking huge, huge, massive profits out of it and it really isn't the creative people behind the shows who are doing that. So, you know, if we slice... I mean, I I don't think, you know, we have to drive Ferraris if we're telling stories to people. I think we do a really important job. It's a noble job to tell <laughs> stories and to inspire
2: people. Can't pay with nobility. But
0: but but I, I mean I, I, I don't mind if it isn't the huge, huge budgets that somehow nah. that gets reduced. Uh, but you know the Netflix, Amazon which we don't see here is doing it. And there are a lot of new um, Platforms turning up in Europe and around the world, so it's a cool thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you can have, uh, you know, again, depending on the size of your project, and you can make a project that looks like it's massive. And it doesn't have to cost a huge, vast fortune. You don't have to hire casts of thousands. You don't have to, you know, go off to Bulgaria or someplace and, and shoot these things. But you can make it look like you did. Um, the other thing is, uh, I was going to go say, oh, was, I keep hearkening back to John Cassavetes and what he was doing in the early '60s with his uh, venture into independent cinema, and he was really a, a, a for, forerunner of what we're doing right now and a lot of what he was saying back then is exactly what we're saying now because he was at a time where theatrically for feature films in America the, he had access to equipment and opportunities for distribution that don't exist anymore but they did then and he was saying we have to do this you know fuck the studios you know we don't have to ask for permission to do this stuff grab a camera make a movie and get it out there so same thing grab a camera tell your story get it out there and the first version of it might suck. Who cares? Make another one. You know, do keep making them. Just You'll get me. better at it. And the more you get better at it, the more people will want to see it. And the more they want to see it, the bigger audience you've got. The better you get at your work, and uh, it becomes a groundswell of of uh, amazing works that uh, feed an audience that's desperate for good material.
3: I think that that's really sorry. I think that that's really important. Just make it, because I know for. For me and for for gay nerds, it's like I had a lot of people kind of saying, "Well, there's not like gay nerds. Like I don't really understand what that is." And there's no there there is no there is no such thing as a queer nerd. And I'm like, well, like I am one. Um, <laughs> so I was like, that that's a thing. But um, I think the thing is is that it is it's the web still provides a really really valuable platform for you to tell again to tell stories that aren't being told along kind of like major channels. Um, you know and i also think too that it's 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 a kind of a playground where you can learn a lot of things you can kind of uh, you know learn new skills put yourself out there learn new learn the business of it uh learn the production angle i mean it it's just it's a valuable place uh to work and uh and yeah and i in terms of the netflix model i i really i'm a big fan of netflix just because i like the types of storytelling that is happening because it's almost kind of like um, it's like a structured form of a very structured form of web series, insofar as like Orange is the New Black, which is telling really great stories about women, right, in a very kind of mainstream setting. Um, I rambled there, but yeah. So just tell your tell the stories that you want to tell.
1: Let's get some more questions. All right. Is there something like an ideal length when you're
3: starting out making a web series or with a webisode where you can kind of draw in the most? eyeballs and really start
0: building a fan base what's the first thing your audience asks you
3: (laughs) i would well i would i would say sorry and in terms of the length it's like every step of the way every single year a different length has been the ideal length (laughs) <laughs> so it was like when it, when it's when, when we started, it was like it has to be thirty like thirty seconds, thirty like thirty minutes, like it it just spans like it's like yeah. it can be a, the length of a regular television show or it can be a viral video. It it doesn't matter. I think it's the the storytelling, the concept, and how you deliver that to the audience. That's the most important thing, and that the length should support that. So yeah,
0: yeah. But fill up that time well. You know, your yeah. audience always <laughs> is always asking you. Can you make it longer? Why is it so short? Can't it be longer? Can you make a longer episode?
2: Yeah, conventional wisdom used to be for a while. that Three minutes was the length. It was almost like the length of a pop song on, on AM radio. But that's and it was, just because that, that
3: was YouTube's upload. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: that, that, those things changed. And again, it was uh, Jason with, uh, with Dad found this, and other people have been finding this. They put out a show. People like it. That's great. Why was it so short? And, and again, the viewing habits of people have been changing, how they're accessing this material. The f- people thought, there's no way they're going to be watching a half-hour show on their phone. Well, they are. You know, and People are f- watching these things on their iPads. They're, they're doing whatever. And they're, they're accessing this material whenever they feel like it. So the length of time uh, should be prescribed by the material. The story yeah. itself let should let decide the, the length. Let the story decide. And, you know, broadcast television it has got to be 24 minutes and 30 seconds. Blow me. <laughs> You know, it's going to be 27 <laughs> minutes. It's going to be 32 minutes. It's going to be 17 minutes and 6 seconds. You 21 know, 40. 21 feet, you know, whatever. You know, make, make it so it works, and the audience will be very pleased.
1: Um, way in the back.
2: If you're looking at a budget, something like that, uh, and it depends on your audience, and it depends on the material, uh, the, the genre that you're doing. Some shows and some audiences are better suited to a crowdfunding model. There are some audiences that are you know, very eager to put forward something like that. Like, uh, I, I don't know, just off the top of my head, uh, a, a Doctor Who ripoff that uh, features strong female protagonists and this can be clothing and lots of explosions you're going to get a lot of money. People are going to, you know, they'll they'll step up to the plate for that. It might not be the audience you want, but, you know, there they are. Um, so, yeah, and you,
0: know. you also have to have the skill to pull it off, right? Yeah. You've got to have the social media chops and also um, a lot of pocket, uh, friends with deep pockets to... Kick things off.
2: Yeah, so I mean, a lot of a lot of the the stuff that comes in with the crowdfunding doesn't come from far beyond your own circle of friends already. So you're getting a lot of support that way. It's just it's a more organized way of begging for cash from your friends and family.
1: There's only uh, so many times you can ask your friends. It's too. true. It
2: becomes a shallow trough after a while. You can't keep going back to that. You, you, we keep hearing stories about uh, shows that have been very, very successful, or, or uh, one-time film projects that you know go up for Kickstarter and they're looking for fifty thousand, and they come back with two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand dollars. You're like, oh, that's amazing. That's rare. That's very rare. And we've seen enough really good projects that deserve the support, and they would be asking for fifty thousand dollars, and they would maybe get six. And part of that is dependent on how well or how good they are at uh, using the, the social media tools to gain the attention for it. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, a variable game. There's no cookie-cutter approach to it. So just be very sure of who your audience is and uh, what you're going to be providing for them, and uh, give it a shot. Any more questions?
0: I'll take that. (laughs) The Writers Guild of Canada (laughs) (laughs) on its website has a script registration service. Right, Terry? (laughs) And so you could just go right on our website, wgc.ca, and register your work. You'll just upload your premise, your script, whatever material you have, and uh, it's not expensive. How much? $40 $40 for five years, if you're not a member, and, um, and that we'll keep a copy of that, and if you have uh, any litigation issues, we'll just pull that out, and it'll be time-stamped, and it'll help you a lot, but in my 30-odd years in the industry, I've never been ripped off, so...
2: Yeah, it, it is rare. I mean, people are always gun-shy of getting ripped off, but people are also very gun-shy about ripping people off. Uh, copyright law in Canada, as soon as you've written something, even if you don't put a copyright symbol on it, it's yours. You've you, It's deemed being copyright. Um, the protection of it, uh, you got to show it to somebody sometime, and at some point you're going to run across a project that is very, very similar, and it doesn't mean they ripped you off. It just means there's only so many crayons in the box. So. Any more questions? Buy them mm, cake. Um, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, Paola's good. The,
0: the, the best thing to do is to try and meet people in social situations or, um, you know, I get a lot of email from people, you know, who want me to read their script, and some of them say, Hey, read my script. <laughs> and some of them say... I love your show. Do you ever need a volunteer to help with it and read my script? And um, so, so you know, the, you know, it's like anything. Butter them up first. Uh, try and try and find roots in um, that are not, uh, you know, that don't involve asking them for something as your opening line right Mm -hmm. Uh, and most people in this country will go for a cup of coffee with you before they'll read your script um, because you know the last thing you want to do is read anyone's script really because there are just so many to read Um, so um, but 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 try and build a friendship first you know I mean like when we try and get people to blog about Ruby Sky we start by going to their blog and leaving comments and tweeting links to the posts that they put up and following them and retweeting them and, you know, like trying to be really nice and friendly with them before we even open the door to saying, hey, and look, we do something too.
2: Yeah, well, some, I would...
3: Oh, sorry. sorry sometimes I was going to say that sometimes, too, what can be beneficial is uh, if you, like, for instance, the Toronto Web Series community, right? Say, yeah. If you find, like, there are a lot of people who are in the same boat as you, um, you can make a lot of very valuable connections there. You can meet, let's say, an up-and-coming producer who's looking to, like, produce a project who wants to kind of, like do that, fulfill that position and they'll partner with you because sometimes it's like maybe the big guns won't notice you but someone who's at the same level as you can work together and you can mutually bring, bring each
2: other up, right? Yeah, don't so don't, I don't would look say, up, look sideways. But yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, we should mention um, on Facebook... There is a community of web series creators called the Toronto web series community is that yep. right <laughs> it's it's huge it's massive and it's not even Toronto centric I mean there are people all over the world it's a tremendous tool if you ask a question on that forum people will answer it volunteer and we have meetups every couple of months where you can uh, that are really well attended there's one been-
2: coming up on September 17th. Uh, usually it started out just as a very informal uh, gathering at, at a pub and people would get together and have beers and go, hey, it's so hard making you web series. And they go, I know, let's have another beer. And <laughs> it just it kept growing and kept growing. I, you know, with the last few that we've had, we've had like 80 to 100 people show yeah. up. And it's, it's a great that. way to meet people face-to-face. And then when the Facebook aspect of that continues on, so the conversation just never stops. So I would advise uh, checking out Facebook group, Toronto Web Series Community, come to come to the meetup September 17th. Meet people, and just things explode from there.
1: Yeah. Um, before we get to the next question, I was Yoda just on that, on that. On that. Yeah. Oh, sorry.
2: Yoda has a question. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, <okay. laughs> we did.
1: oh the um, Toronto Web Series Community. Yeah. On yeah. Facebook? Yeah, I was just thinking, um, are there any more, can you guys think of any more things that people should keep their ear to the ground, like any things they should be reading, any um, any funds they should know about? Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there to help. I find, like, I, I think even Ink Ink Drinks. You can go to Three.
2: Ink Drinks. Ink Drinks is a good one as well. Uh, mm-hmm. The independent web series, Creators of Canada, we also mentioned before, the website for that is W C C. Dash ciwc dot org. I know. <laughs> That's what you got to do, right? Uh, just Google Independent Web Series Creators of Canada. Uh, this was set up a couple of years back. I uh, finally got incorporated as a nonprofit organization. Uh, they've got a lot of very good information on their website, and uh, they've been sponsoring different events. They uh, helped uh, set up the uh, Toronto Web Fest, which happened uh, back in May uh at harbor front uh, i don't know what the plans are for next year uh, but uh, they they're also a, a good resource uh, and there a lot of those folks are very active at uh, the web series meetups as well so that's that's a good place to go
0: but but your first stop should be the web se- the yeah. toronto web series community on facebook there's like it's um, you just have to ask to join and somebody will uh accept you into the group immediately and we keep on that on that now. page, we have tons of files with the, um, with the, the YouTube, uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, accounts of all the web series that are going on. There's always information about where, where meetups are, what the web series contests are. people looking for people to work on their web series or collaborate with. it is and from there you will find out everything else about the web series.
2: And if you're not based in Toronto, if you're based someplace else, we would encourage you still to to check out not only that Facebook group, but also start up your own local group. There's a group in Hamilton uh, that uh, Michael Canton was uh, responsible for uh, getting off the ground. Just anywhere that you are that is, you know, you you can find like-minded people where you can get together, however small that group might be. Uh, It's a way of keeping yourself from feeling alone and in the basement working away and saying, why is this so hard? You can have so someone help you. Did, did you get to ask your question right the back? <laughs> <laughs> it's harder <laughs> here. But at the same time, we've got a better community here yeah. than they do down in the States. Uh, people from the States who have been coming up are constantly remarking at how generous and uh, cooperative and, and, and supportive uh, web series community here is compared to down the states. I mean, in Hollywood specifically, they're uh, very it's an industry town, they're very, it's all very sort of cutthroat and competitive uh, not just from an American standpoint, but just because of that industry town uh, mentality that they've got there. Whereas here, it's like, okay, whose turn is it? How can I help you? What, what do you need? You know, okay, I can give you that, or oh, this is my experience. So there's a lot more open, a lot more sharing stuff Great going team. on here. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the most the, the best you can do is put yourself out there is the main thing because then you'll meet people you can collaborate with and the more people know uh what you're up to the more people want to help you and um yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely way more of a community than uh than traditional broadcasting feels yeah. like. Um do we have time for one more question or are we about Yeah, I think we can take a quick question. Okay. Good. Sorry, will question.
0: The time is now. The money is starting to come in. We have a plan with our show. Uh, It's a little bit... It's not everybody's favorite plan. But uh, so we had... um, we, we had the uh, broadcaster who took Canadian rights to our show this season. We hold the rights to uh, the show in the rest of the world, and we are going to be able to distribute it to other platforms. And we're going to actually launch our third season on iTunes rather than on YouTube, because I can't possibly make mon- less money on iTunes <laughs> than I have on YouTube, I've got to say. Um, and also, we're seeing markets around the world that are looking for this kind of content. So I firmly believe that the time is now, that it's opening up, that the money is coming, and you should just make your show.
2: How's that for an answer?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Well, thank you so much to our panelists. And here's Deanna again.
4: (laughs) Sorry, let me dig this creep in. Just a few last words. If you look at your handout at the back, there's some links to um, the independent uh, web series creators group that um, uh, our wonderful panel was talking about. Also, there's a link to the report on monetizing web series. So if you want to go into that report, take a look. It's, it's free. It's online. You go to the um, web creators website. You can get it for free. Look through that report. It's great. It has a lot of great ideas. and. Um, Card? And there's business cards up here. Uh, so I want to say thank you again to all the fans and the creators of web series in the audience and to our amazing, wonderful panel who, that has such a tremendous amount of experience with making web series and trying to make money out of it. And one more plug, Writers Guild of Canada. Um, we are launching our video, so awesome, so beautiful, about uh, uh, Canadian television, uh, Canadian screenwriters. We're launching on Tuesday. Go to wgc.ca and you can check it out there. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, folks.
0: Thanks to J. P. Laroc, Rob Mills, and especially Stephanie Calliner for doing such a great job in the moderator's chair. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, and I know you did, because you're still you're still there listening. If you got this far, you enjoyed it. So go right now sign into your iTunes account and leave us a glowing review. It helps to raise the profile of the podcast on iTunes and so other people can find it. And it also, you know, makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, You can send us an email at writerstalkingtv at gmail.com. That's writerstalkingtv, all one word, at gmail.com. This podcast is sponsored by the Writers Guild of Canada. The show's technical producer is Philip Vukovic. I'm Jill Golick, reminding you of the web series creator's mantra. Just make it.